0: Orange is the New Black, Season 3, Episode 2 is over and we are just getting started here at Post Show Recaps. Hello everybody, I am Jessica Leese and Taylor Cotter and I are ready to soldier, save lives, get some, and podcast about everything that happened in this episode. Mm-hmm. How are you doing today, Taylor? I'm great, I'm ready to
1: gentrify this podcast. Alright then. <laughs> yeah,
0: so, Episode 2 is kind of we had said in the previous episode this appears to be the calm before the storm everything seems to be going more or less okay and turns out we are absolutely right because here at Litchfield the absolute number one worst thing that can possibly happen to any human being has happened
1: and I am of course talking Mm -hmm. about bed bugs bed bugs not the pending shutting down of the entire prison yeah Mm, Yeah. (laughs) you know nothing (laughs) yeah
0: You know, if it's between bed bugs and shutting down the prison, I'd rather go with shutting down the prison because then you can go somewhere where there are no bed bugs.
1: Yes, true. But
0: that it, we get kind of two giant bombshells here, and yeah. one throws the entire prison into upheaval, and the other one is probably going to throw the entire prison into upheaval in the next episode.
1: Yes, that seems it's kind of like the. Every episode's like they're planting the seeds for the drama that comes in the next episode, which I think is part of the, the binge watching experience that you're almost watching this as a 13 hour movie. Uh, so uh, they, they don't need to be as episodic as they as some other shows do. Yeah.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. that's very, very true. Yeah. So everybody has to temporarily ditch their uniforms, which mm-hmm. is which it is a lot involves a lot of great sight gags. Um, everybody's wearing either paper suits or garbage bags or just their underwear. Yes. It's it's kind of adorable (laughs) for the most part. It is. And it it kind of allows for people to have a little bit more leeway in their fashion statements.
1: Yes. I thought, um, the girls in the trash bags looked really cute and, uh, uh, turning the paper things into crop tops and stuff. (laughs) So it's always, uh, yeah, just kind of fun to get. I guess something about this show that is interesting is they do wear the same costumes the entire time. So giving them the opportunity to do something different is... Uh really fun to watch.
0: Yeah. I and mean, there's a little bit of variance uh with regard to like some of them have their like long sleeve thermal tops and you know, some of them have a sweatshirt. But right. for the most part it is pretty much wardrobe is not something they splash out here at Orange's New Black. Yes. So, yeah, it was a fun, it was a fun opportunity. And we got a couple of really good snarky moments out of Caputo on this. Um, the, I, I especially like the line about the maternity sized paper suit and the food baby.
1: Yes, I'm all in on Caputo. I think he's like so sweet and like he's made so many like uh, just kind of offhand comments in this episode and in the first episode. I'm just like, oh, you're you're the best. Uh, I think he uh, he's. He's that kind of like we've talked about, like that balance between kind of, you know, creepy weirdo and just genuine good person. But I'm all in on him. I'm a huge fan.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We'll even grant him license to um, run out of the room very quickly after he sees Flocka walk by in her underwear.
1: Right. Yes. I'm like, OK, I, uh, I that's fine. If you have to, you have to. <laughs> I can live with that.
0: Yeah. It's a little bit it's a little bit better than. um you know, how, how Bennett handled things as Caputo himself has said. Um, yes.
1: And uh, this is Bennett's episode, which.
0: Yeah. Worked. It is the meat of the episode is really the Bennett and Dia dynamic. And possibly, do you think this is the last we've seen of Bennett?
1: Ooh. Ooh. I didn't think about that. Um, I, I'm not sure, but I, I kind of hope that it's the end of his story. And I feel it's kind of funny. Uh, and maybe I said this last time too that um, you know I love Caputo so much, and like I can I can take like the heart of gold in the creepy body with Bennett. It's like kind of the opposite that he's you know this I the horrible person in, in like a really sweet demeanor, and so I am kind of over Bennett. And if this is the last we see of him, uh, I, I'm okay with that. Yeah. I think the difference is that
0: Bennett got the opposite of the redemption arc. Like at the beginning, you almost thought this was a sweet love story. Like you saw the way the two of them interacted with each other. You could see that detraction was genuine. And then it kind of turns out like you start to realize the longer that you spend in this universe, in this prison, you realize how inappropriate it was for him to act on it at all. And you start to realize, yeah, this is not something that anybody should ever do. And, you know, regardless of the fact that he may have had genuine feelings for her, there is a huge power imbalance inherent in the fact that he's a guard and she's an inmate. And it's also, they come from such, you know, shockingly different worlds that it is not surprising that they are clearly, it's looking like they are not going to have a happy ending.
1: Right. And I think kind of the... Uh, the side that they used to illustrate that point, is like, oh, Daya never told you about her quinceanera. And I was like, yeah, because they don't know each other that well, you know, that they haven't ever spent genuine time together. So as much as Bennett can walk around and talk about how in love with her, he is and how he's going to marry her and all this stuff. it like, it's not a real relationship in any sense. And, uh, they used a lot of the flashbacks to illustrate kind of that Bennett is a coward and doesn't really have a handle on anything. So uh, it seems pretty indicative that this is not going to end the way that he wants it to.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think the kind of the, one of the deciding moments there was in the beginning, we get to meet Pornstash's mom yeah, uh, Mary Steenburgen. <laughs> yes, a.k.a. Claire Clayton. Yes. And that was kind of a shock. Like, I guess I could buy her as pornstash's mom if you look at her and you look at him. They, yeah. you know, similar build, similar coloring. Mm. Okay. It's still weird that, you know, she raises a dentist and an art historian
1: and pornstash, Yes. And that I did, I thought Alita was really funny in that, uh, (laughs) yeah, two statists homo, is that what she said? Yeah, that's what she Um, said. Right. Um, that, yeah, it makes, it's, I guess, you know, odds are you can't blame, you can't blame parents for everything. I guess, even though that's kind of a part of the theme of Orange is the New Black, but, uh yeah she seems like a perfectly nice lady
0: <laughs> yeah i'm
1: I'm gonna guess that you know
0: one of her two kids one of her three kids does not get a paragraph in the christmas letter
1: yeah probably
0: not yeah and she seems like i mean it's her intentions are pretty transparent here like she right. screwed up with one of her kids and she wants to do over yes as was mentioned but you know it seems like she's got the resources to give the kid a good life and she's got the resources to buy off Aleda. So it looks like it's not surprising that Daya would consider it.
1: Right. I think, it, yeah, I, I would probably consider it too. My question is, I don't really know if I understand why she was so ready to just give up all that money to Alayda and Daya. Especially to Elena, and um, she was like, Yeah, yeah, I'll send you money every month. Is that even if she wasn't going to adopt the baby?
0: No, I think that is in exchange for adopting the baby. Oh,
1: okay. All right, got it.
0: And probably, yeah, I would imagine like she gets to adopt the baby, she can also like pay all the expenses. Got it.
1: Okay, that makes a lot more sense.
0: That's a, you know, that's an arrangement that happens.
1: Yes, yes alright, that makes sense. If I, Yeah, I think this is really setting that up to happen, which I've, and I've talked about this last year that I feel like this baby is, like, they need to figure out something. <laughs> like, I was hoping that there was going to be, like, a time jump and that this baby would just be born because Dia being pregnant has been the most uh, extended storyline of all time. And, like, especially if, if this was a I have no idea how pregnant she's supposed to be, but she didn't, they didn't try to make her look super, super pregnant. So, uh, I, well, I think the, I think that's the reminder that we have
0: really, we're in season three and we've been with these people for three years, but in their time, it's been, you know, just a little under a year. Right. Right. Cause I think it is, we just had the mother's day episode and, it was fall when Piper first checked into Litchfield.
1: Right. It was fu- that. OK, that's a good benchmark. And it was it was Christmas at the end of the first season. At the end of the first season. OK. Yeah. yeah. So, so, each yeah, it's only been like eight months.
0: Yeah. So. If you think of each episode, like each season covers roughly three or four months. OK. That's an easier benchmark, I think. Got
1: it. Got it. So, yeah, it makes sense that they have to figure out what they're going to do with this. But I'm kind of ready for this storyline to be over. Yeah,
0: I would imagine if I had to put money on it, I would imagine episode 12 is probably going to involve Dia going
1: into labor. Yeah, that makes sense.
0: Because yeah. that's just about the right amount of time. And it's also, you know, since time immemorial, season finales have involved people giving birth.
1: Yes, it'll be a nice heartwarming experience, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And we already knew kind of that the Diaz household was a little bit, you know, culturally removed from anything that might be familiar to Bennett. But I think going over to visit Cesar is a little bit, it was a little bit on the nose for me.
1: Yes, I agree. I agree. And, um... Cesar is one of those oh is he okay is he a good person and It's like no no he's not very much not at all um and yeah I think it was a real culture shock for Bennett to go in there and uh yeah parallel it, uh, yeah it's a little heavy-handed to parallel that to his time at war but <laughs> but I guess that's what they were trying to do there yeah
0: yeah I think so and it is – I think it's more like – I think Cesar is an interesting character in that he is incredibly charming. Yes. And you're even – like you, the viewer, are charmed by him. You think, oh, he's a nice guy. He's funny and he's – you know, he's good-looking and you can totally see the attraction. But you already know some things about him that make you realize that they, that, that is entirely a facade.
1: Right. It's almost – yeah, it's almost like he's kind of a good dad – until he's not a good dad. Like, yeah. Yeah, so when things are going well, he's doing okay. And then, uh, yeah, a lot of shades of gray there. But, yeah, I think it, at least Bennett, like, in his twisted, narcissistic way, like, had enough sense to realize, like, okay, like, this baby cannot live here. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and it was it was also a little bit of a heavy-handed finish. Like, he's sitting there and he's... He always looks kind of tearful. Yes. Like, there are some characters on the show that always look like they're about to start crying, and he is one of them. And he's sitting on the side of the road, and he's all tearful, and then you see him gunning it and leaving the crib on the side of the road. Mm-hmm. That was a little bit on the nose, too.
1: Yes, yes. Uh, I, I thought something – like, I thought he was going to see one of the escaped prisoners or something. Um, <laughs> that, But, yeah, it definitely was – yeah, there was nothing left to the imagination there. But I didn't think about the fact that yeah, maybe that was his grand escape. But it would make sense if it was. Yeah,
0: you know what was really confusing to me is like they show they show a side piece and her baby mm-hmm. twice, and the second time they show that baby, I swear it is a totally different baby.
1: Yeah, I didn't pay attention, but that I don't. I wouldn't doubt it.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm just like as if we're not going to notice, but you know. <laughs>
1: I was – yeah, the, the part where the French
0: fries are a vegetable, that kind of cracked me up. That and, was funny. And, of course, then that escalates very, very quickly, and it's not funny anymore. But right. And it is kind of funny that you, you see, like, it was very up and down. Like, you show up, and it, it's a nice apartment. It's a shockingly nice apartment. Mm-hmm. And the kids all seem, like, well-fed and clean, but – oh yeah, they are unresponsive. They play video games and eat crap all day. They think French fries are a vegetable. Yeah. And they have to eat their vegetables after they're held at gunpoint. So yeah, yeah, not a great place to put your baby in. And Bennett really doesn't get a vote in this because anytime he tries to speak up, it's like, well, you know, officially you're not the father and you don't get a vote.
1: Right. I kind of like the conversation between, uh, Daya and Eleda in him, and that you do kind of see that Daya will uh, she's easily persuaded because, you know, very quickly she's defending him, and then she's defending her mom, and it's kind of like a, it's a sort of a classic family dilemma in a very uh, bizarre situation. Yeah, Daya
0: is kind of passive. Um, yes. And I think that was kind of how she got in the situation in the first place. Right. Yes. Yeah. So it would be – I think this is probably a, the best-case scenario for the baby. I, and, of course, this being Orange is the New Black, there is still the possibility that something could happen to really wreck this whole situation. And Maybe by the end of the season, we don't know what's happening to this baby. But for now, it looks like at least the baby is going to have an okay resolution here.
1: Yes, I hope so. It's definitely terrifying that the okay resolution is – giving it up to porn stash's family but well you it, know yeah baby yeah. grows up to be mini porn stash. he's still
0: got a steady job and a Camaro so yeah
1: <laughs> yeah he doesn't have the worst life ever he didn't actually rape anyone no no yeah well he,
0: you know nobody in this situation anyway yeah
1: not 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 the one that he went to jail for yeah so I think we're yeah we're okay, Yeah. I guess. So
0: I, let's take we, a minute and talk yes. about Bennett's flashback.
1: Yes. Because I think it's very
0: interesting. This is not the story that Bennett gave us previously about how he lost that leg.
1: You're right. So I this was confusing to me because I thought, I believed his original story. It was about, like, he got a, like a staph infection in a hot tub or something like That's that. That's
0: exactly what he said happened to him. And clearly that is... Not what happened.
1: Right. And I, I just accept, I thought that was the truth. So I never, and I was like, oh, when are they going to get to the hot tub part of this flashback? But yeah.
0: Yeah. I, it, I guess he must have been telling this story because it's marginally less humiliating than what actually happened to him, which looks like he bolted while his friend jumped on the grenade. Right right and he must be ashamed of that so we made up something that's marginally less humiliating and it's humiliating enough that nobody's going to pry deeper that makes sense it, this and, was all around this was a very mr echo kind of episode for bennett where he gets that flashback it, it's his episode but at the end of it you know his reputation is totally trashed and he's gone
1: yes yes so yeah it kind of showed what we sort of knew about bennett the whole time is that he is a coward he doesn't uh he's you know, doesn't stick up for his people in any situation. Uh, he's just sort of a goofball that should have never gotten into the serious situations that he got himself into.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think this is not a job that Bennett was cut out for, and I don't know where he's going next, but wherever it is, I think he's going to get into less trouble.
1: Yes. Yeah. what did you think of their, uh, they were making a viral video or something of, uh, uh, Gwen Stefani
0: yeah that was that was pretty funny yeah. I I've seen a lot of those like I've seen ones with uh you know active duty soldiers doing um doing call me maybe yes yes, so this is in that vein and it, right. it look it's kind of emblematic i think of like the high pressure situation um and I have a few relatives that have served in combat and You spend a lot of downtime with really nothing to do but make silly viral videos. And (laughs) then the times when you are on, you have to be on.
1: Yeah, that is that's definitely rough. And I can't imagine uh, either uh, both Bennett or any real person uh, having an easy time with that. Yeah. Yeah, it does. It really does change
0: you. And I think it's very clear that it changed Bennett. Yes. So I guess we're closing the book on that particular angle of the story, but it will be very interesting to see the fallout from that. Especially, I have a feeling that nobody's going to tell Daya. If Bennett doesn't come back, that might be the last she ever hears
1: of him. Yeah, definitely. And that's a, I feel bad for her because she seems to have tried really hard to do everything right, but... Yeah, I think.
0: Yeah, she's not equipped to be able to do everything right. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, this is going to be I think this is going to be kind of a there's going to be a lot of fallout from that between now and the due date. Yes. All right, so let's go right. let's go elsewhere in the in the universe. We can go to our least favorite storyline. We got the
1: we got the Piper
0: mm-hmm. and Alex dynamic. Yeah. At least
1: it got a little more interesting in this episode.
0: Yeah, because I think a lesser television program would drag this revelation out for the entire rest of the season. Yes, I agree. You know, we're just going to drop it. We're just going to drop it on her right now. We're going to let her deal with it. And I think it really, it makes a lot of sense, the reasoning that Piper would have. And Piper doesn't always come up with the best rationalization for things but at least you can see the logical path to it
1: right and this is piper's bread and butter (laughs) like this is what piper does you know she uh does something horrible feels guilty admits to it and then uh someone gets mad at her and it's just a crazy cycle of self-destruction and uh you know i it's like this is gonna happen again like this is this is who she is Yeah, and of
0: course, she always tries to couch it. I think she's become so much more of a know it all. Like, she's always been a little bit of a know it all, but she's trying to be this, like, sage presence, and nobody's buying it, which I find hilarious because there's always someone in the sitcom universe that comes up with, like, pulls some random cultural reference out of their ass and everybody's like oh that's really deep and Piper tries to do it and everyone's like that's ridiculous (laughs) yeah like the Korean concept of Kaboon yes was a prime example of that and Red is just like nobody cares
1: yeah yeah. that's a a very real thing I like that a lot yeah she's really more of a
0: Cliff Clavin than a like uh, Wilson from Home Improvement
1: (laughs) (laughs) I, I wish there was a Wilson from Home Improvement here yeah Um, but yeah so uh, she gets herself Piper gets herself into a couple different uh, situations in this episode Uh, one very much cleared up exactly the question I had from last time uh, with Red and the store and her husband uh, that you know she was able to figure out pretty quickly that Piper lied to her and the store was shut down and her husband was lying to her and I guess that's kind of a triggering thing for Red so she gets really mad yeah and then of course
0: that makes Piper think, well, maybe I should stop lying to people and I need to come clean with them. She comes clean with Alex and the exact opposite thing happens.
1: Right. And it's just such a like a kindergarten morality that Piper has and it's for a show that has so many complex characters like Piper is the most simple black and white person on this entire show. Yeah,
0: well, that's that's kind of a privilege thing, too, because yes. a lot of people have had to struggle with moral dilemmas that Piper has never had to deal with in her life just because of where she was born and how she was raised. Hello. And so she thinks the world works a certain way just because she's never been taught any differently. And the recurring motif in the show is that the world is a very different place from where Piper was, you know, from Piper's set of morals. Right. So I find that. You know, it is the one thing, like, Piper is easily one of the least interesting and least complicated characters in the series, but I do find it kind of refreshing the way that the real world keeps kind of beating her back over and over.
1: Yeah, I like that, and it's, it's a very, I, it's. I guess it's nice to have one kind of simple worldview that introduces us to the more complicated stuff.
0: And and honestly, if we're if we're being super honest with ourselves and, you know, the, the podcasting world, I think most of the audience that's watching this program is kind of from a similar, more similar world to Piper yes I am yeah <laughs> so, I certainly am as well yes, you know I uh, went to a women's college uh, I went to the one up the road from the one where Piper went <laughs>
1: yeah I, it's very much that uh, if being uh, if I was in this situation I am I am, I wouldn't handle it nearly as gracefully as Piper has <laughs> so uh, I can't I yeah my judgment is very tempered <laughs> of her um, but I did love uh, when uh, when the white girls were in the black bathroom and black Cindy was like oh, when did this bathroom get gentrified that was probably the favorite of the episode
0: yeah yeah and I, I love the um, I love Cindy spraying herself with the Lysol
1: yeah and uh, I, uh, that was very uh, it, it was kind of like a nice moment of empathy when Alex and Paper came in they were like no like that's not okay like please please don't do that it says caution and warning <laughs> yes uh yeah, yeah it's just like we you know they're they're always fighting no one is ever on good terms but they're not gonna let you spray your whole body down with what i saw yeah that's where the line is yes
0: <laughs> yeah um and we get to you know we get to see suzanne kind of continuing to cope with v and i think that's going to definitely go somewhere
1: yeah i hope so it's yeah you can tell things are just starting to bubble under the surface with that so yeah uh pensatucky uh, pisses her off and she starts to go nuts and we'll we'll see what that happens what happens there yeah i also like when suzanne when alex and piper were freaking out and suzanne's like and they call me crazy yeah <laughs> yeah so yeah um so.
0: and she will have to potato her at a future time yes yes yeah, and Pensatucky, I love that Pensatucky has zero subtlety whatsoever at any <laughs> yep. point. Like everything she says, just like ton of bricks all the time. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of endearing. Yeah, she's like she can't be manipulative because she just doesn't have that subtlety,
1: right?
0: Yeah, and the I think the true the true loss. Like I don't think we're gonna miss Bennett all that much, but I think I think the truest, most tragic loss of this particular episode is the loss of the library.
1: Yeah, isn't that so sad? Burning books, like, really gets to my heart, <laughs> and it was so sad. I
0: don't even think there's a character they could kill off that would make me as upset as, like, watching all those books get burned.
1: I know, uh, those. Uh, but uh, that's true. I, th- I had, like, a lot of visceral, uh, physical and emotional reactions watching this episode because, A, tasty eating what was probably a bed bug. Okay, <laughs> okay, I,
0: I have a story about okay. this. This is something that has actually happened to me in my real life. So last year, about three weeks before I got married, I had a bachelorette weekend in Las Vegas and five of my friends flew out and met me in Vegas. And we got we got a condo on VRBO um, a little bit off the strip. And it was a pretty nice place. Like, yeah, very, very clean. Everything was pretty modern. And we fly in late because there's a flight that leaves New York right after work and gets in around midnight so we were all in around midnight and everybody kind of congregates in the condo and we start making sleeping arrangements we fold out the fold-out couch and everybody's exhausted and i look down and on this otherwise pristine fold-out couch mattress there's a little black speck Mm -hmm. about the size and the shape of a bed bug and i swear when i looked at it it was a bed bug and i start freaking out i'm like guys nobody put your suitcases on the floor everybody stand right where you are that's a bed bug. I got to call the front desk. So I call the front desk. I'm like, we need a new room right away. We got a problem. There's a bed bug. And they put me on hold. And while I'm on hold, one of my friends goes over and she inspects a little bit more closely. She's like, this may not be a bed bug. I got to look. And so she very bravely gets a paper towel, and picks it up and holds it closer to her face. And she's like, yeah, I'm not sure. And finally she kind of Gets in really close to it and sniffs it and, like, sticks her tongue out and tastes it. She's like, guys, this is not a bed bug. This is a Cocoa Pebble. Oh, my God. And so we had to call the front desk back and, like, yeah, false alarm. My friend tasted it. It was a Cocoa Pebble. We're good. (laughs) That is
1: lucky. So I got so
0: many emails right after this episode dropped.
1: (laughs) That's hilarious. Oh, my gosh. This is your life. Yeah. I I swear someone would...
0: I don't think any of my friends have a connection to Orange Is the New Black, but I'm kind of shocked that this is something that's happened to other people.
1: <laughs> that is crazy. I mean, if you like, I feel like people I know that live in New York are hyper paranoid about bed bugs. So I think if you have any indication, it makes sense that you would. That's what you would think.
0: Yeah. In fact, we had a false alarm with bed bugs one year. Um, our neighbors allegedly had them and the bed bug dog thought we had them Mm -hmm. and we got rid of half our stuff over the course of two days and there's still like a giant stack of plastic rubbermaid containers in our apartment that we've never actually done anything with because then the bed bug dog came back the following monday and it turned out that we didn't have them
1: I mean so you've had a lot of luck yeah
0: we were extremely lucky and we've never had them because we're like hyper careful about it that's but yeah it could happen at any time we live in a huge building so yeah it is I think yeah New Yorkers are especially paranoid about this kind of thing and even like watching this episode I was itchy yeah
1: watching Tasty put that I, I don't know I'm like kind of Sensitive in general, but like I almost threw up. <laughs> uh, I was like, I can't, like, I'm like, I have to like take myself out of it and be like, this is a television show. <laughs> this is not <the> real. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it was that,
0: probably in real life in that scene that was most definitely a crumb because exactly. I don't think, yeah, there's no way that they would make Danielle Brooks eat an actual bed bug. Right, right. And
1: I had to remind myself of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was super sad to see them burn the books and it was kind of, you know, metaphorical that like this prison is being shut down which is i guess we can talk about that for a minute that like and i said yesterday that um or i don't i'll if we recorded yesterday but um that administrative drama on this show can get really boring and when there were these two talking head dudes like dancing around the fact that the prison was going to get shut down i was like just, just say it. I don't need the back and forth about you know, uh, kind of the yeah, the human resources issues. Um, <laughs> but uh, and it's like I work in an office. Yeah, you know, um, there's a
0: reason that Toby is the least like character
1: on The Office. I'm just yeah, saying. Exactly. Yeah, Mitch is the Toby of Orange Is the New Black. Yeah. Um, and it was uh, like I, I, I don't know. I can't imagine that that's actually going to happen and like so it seems a little I I don't know it, it, like obviously you know they're burning everything they are like Caputo seems very certain that like alright we're shutting down but this show isn't going to exist if everyone's not in the same place so I'm interested to kind of see how they you know bring this to a head and wrap it up but I don't actually anticipate the prison being shut down yeah,
0: there's going to be something that happens at the 11th hour um Although the comedy of everybody having to sleep on a bare cot frame for a while is you know, not to be underestimated.
1: Right. Exactly. Why did that girl put shaving cream all over? Um, that's a over. bed bug barrier. Oh, OK.
0: I don't know how effective it is, but I know there are certain things you can put around your bed um, because I have lived through the um, potential nightmare specter of bed bugs. Um, <laughs> We had some stuff that you could spray around the perimeter, and you could also, like, put packing tape around the feet of your bed and move it a little bit away from the wall. Allegedly, that helps. Or there's, like, you put it in a dish of something. Um, There's many different natural bed bug repellents that you can use. I do not know if shaving cream is one of them, but at least you would know if some had been there if you spray it all around your bed and you get into bed. And the next morning, there will be little trails of shaving cream all over the floor.
1: That makes sense. I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, I, I am a treasure trove because <laughs> I spent forty-eight hours learning absolutely everything there was to know about bed bugs. There you go. I even have a bed bug suitcase treater. Oh wow! Yeah, um, you—if you blow hot air on it for an hour, it'll kill all the bed bugs. So
1: I had no idea you were such an expert in this. <laughs> all, all my questions are answered. Yeah, I—I I don't
0: know. I have many pockets of useless information, and this is <laughs> at least one of the less useless. <laughs> Awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, I think there is no way they can close Litchfield at this point just because it would fundamentally change the nature of the show. Even if they moved everybody to a new setting, it could be one of these things like like in Scrubs when they lost access to the hospital where they had been filming and they tried to recreate as many sets as possible. But then they ended up like the off Scrubs was not in the same place. Mm-hmm. Um It could be one of those scenarios where like, oh, all the walls and stuff are different because we don't have access to the set anymore. But all the same people are there. That seems like a shark jumping moment, as does let's ditch half the cast and put everybody somewhere else. That's also a shark jumping moment. So there's no way they can do that. They got to stay where they are.
1: Right. They've doubled down on this cast and how much they like them. And so, yeah, it's not going to happen. So I'm not even giving it the the brain power that it probably deserves because I'm so convinced it's not going to happen. Yeah.
0: Yeah. It, it's really a little bit anticlimactic. I, I feel like if we, if the show had an uncertain future, yes, we could probably start to speculate like, Oh God, are they winding it down? Are they going to like release a bunch of people? You know, are they writing people off the show? Did somebody quit?
1: Right. But, but we already know they're coming back for a fourth season. So right there. Yeah. So yeah. Not not worth our time to speculate on it. Yeah.
0: Um we got a great we got a great little comedic moment from o'neill and Bell, who are my OTP of the Orange is the Pink black <laughs> universe. Um where they are worried that they're the patient zero of the bed bugs because they brought a couch in off the street.
1: Yes. I assume that, that is what happened, which is really funny. Um it's kind of just funny that it was a throwaway little thing. Yeah. But yeah, we definitely did this and caused all of this. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, That's
0: great. like I, I think any, I think we need we need more of O'Neill and Bell. Like they could get a spinoff sitcom, and I'd be totally thrilled.
1: Yes, I agree. Yeah. Um my
0: other ideal sitcom couple is Luchek and Nikki.
1: Yes, oh my gosh, I love them. They're just like they could be a buddy comedy or something. They're they have so much chemistry. I love Lushek so much.
0: Yeah, I wanted I want them to do like. I want them to do dvd commentary for the entire series that like would be in amazing. character the two in actors characters. yes um so we get we get a little more of a development in the in the heroine story um and you knew that that was going to disappear like something was going to happen to it because it's not as simple as just like finding someone to move it out and getting the money for it but we got a new co-conspirator here Yes. Um, And I'm kind of shocked, like, Lushek didn't seem to me to be, like, he's, like, sort of the Seth Rogen of the the Mm -hmm. Litchfield universe. Um, He is very much, like, stoner slacker with ambiguous morality, but I didn't think he would so quickly agree to sell a whole bunch of heroin.
1: Yeah, that is a heavy, heavy thing to do, and, like, uh, I think they, Nikki made a bold assumption thinking that that would be something he would be interested in, but... Yeah. I mean, I guess it's, it was her best shot and it worked out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I I did like, there was a moment there where I fell for it too, where he's saying, I'm taking you straight to Caputo. Mm -hmm. You know, you're going to go to Max. I'm fucking with you. Of course I'm going to sell it. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Yes. He, that was, uh,
1: that was very cute.
0: (laughs) Yeah. And uh, of course also, you know, invoking Al Gore also very funny. That was very funny.
1: That's what this show is so great at. Just kind of, you know, little wordplay throwaway jokes to, you know, keep everything light.
0: Yeah. And I think it's interesting that they can take really dark scenarios and manage to inject some levity in them. And also that they can throw lines in there that don't feel like they're really at the expense of anybody. Exactly. Like... I think there are characters that are not book smart and their non book smartitude is frequently played for laughs, but it never feels like it's directly at their expense. And I find that really fascinating.
1: Yeah, it's like and I think that's what makes this show incredibly nuanced and uh, kind of uh socially okay. It's that, I'm, I'm, you know, we're not watching this show to make fun of women in prison. But yeah. But there is still a comedic element to it.
0: Yeah. And especially considering, again, there could be some really icky classism issues here. They managed to skirt that pretty easily. Yes. Yeah. So I think... I think we've pretty much covered all of the high points of this, of episode
1: two. But, have you- um, we, we did, uh, we didn't dive into uh, Piper and Alex having sex. Well, yeah, I guess not. <laughs> we don't have to. <laughs> yeah. But. Um, uh, Piper and Alex had hate sex. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it was, it was bizarre. It seemed, I, I, I don't, I mean, they were very, clear that they were like hey we hate you know we have done lots and lots of horrible things to each other and we choose to still like each other but I don't know like if someone got got, landed me back in prison by telling them I violated parole to me to me that would be a line-crossing moment but you know Alex Voss, and I are two very different people
0: yeah and I think Piper has a pretty good point that it's um It's basically the exact same thing that Alex did to her. Yeah, more or less. More or less. So (laughs) I, and I can also see like neither one of them has a lot of friends elsewhere. Yes, true. You know, if they don't, if they don't have hate sex with each other, you know, what other interactions are there going to be for them?
1: Yeah, yeah, that's, that's the one thing they got going for them. Yeah.
0: Um. And we've got mm. Red and Healy, which is always a dynamic that I love. Yes, that was weird. Yeah, I and everything that Healy does, I he's starting to get a little one-note to me. He mm-hmm. started out very sympathetic, and you could tell like he had some good intentions, and then it's like, no, he's kind of a jerk, and he's got some terrible views on women, and he probably shouldn't be working with a population of women with those kind of views. And then... It, he's coming back to being a little sympathetic because everything that he says and does, he is projecting out of his own
1: life. Yes, he said something very on the nose misogynistic, and I was like, "Yeah, I was like, uh, I like, it, I hate you." <laughs> I, I very much, uh, I get the emotional reaction that they're trying to elicit with him. Yeah,
0: mm-hmm. yeah, and I, I also, I like that Red kind of realizes that where everything that he has comes from yes and, yes and she's one of the few people that's kind of equipped to help him out with that
1: right she speaks russian
0: yeah and i'm hoping mm-hmm. i'm hoping we get a lot more of that in future episodes oh uh, yeah i'm sure we will we need to figure out what's going on there for sure and uh,
1: deal with healy
0: Yeah, I I want Healy to have a little bit of character development just because I want him to stop believing all of these incredibly non-progressive things that he believes.
1: Yes, agreed.
0: Because he seems like he should be likable and then he trucks out something that makes me hate him again. So, Healy, stop doing that and then I'll like you some more. (laughs) So, that is everything that has happened in Episode 2 as far as I can tell. Um, And we are going to be releasing a podcast per episode every couple of days for the next several weeks. And I think that gives you enough time. So if you binge the whole thing, you don't have to wait the entire rest of the month to find out what we had to say about the last episode, but you also have time to digest what happened in each episode. And we have time to digest what happened in each episode. Cause yes, we're gonna we're gonna probably bank a few of these, but by the time you're listening to this, you're gonna have a few days of downtime to think about episode three before the next podcast drops. Right? Um, and there's any, no good way to do it. There really <laughs> so, isn't. Yeah. Um, and we're not prepared to do the House of Cards thing that Rob does, where he does a podcast a day for 12 days. No, I'm so sorry. I we, I cannot. Yeah, <laughs> so. he is he is the hardest hardest working man in podcasting for a reason. Yes. Um. So we are always happy though. We are going to be still thinking about this through the entire time that these podcasts are dropping, and we would love to hear your feedback. You can leave comments on the page. You can use the feedback form on postshowrecaps.com. You can tweet at us. Uh, My Twitter handle is HaymakerHattie, and Taylor, what is yours? My is Taylor Cotter. And we got lots of great things happening for the rest of the month of June here at Post Show Recaps. We're wrapping up Game of Thrones. We got Orphan Black going on. And we got many summer replacement series and lots of bonus content. So, no matter what your television tastes are, somewhere in the Rob has a podcast universe, we got you covered. So, thanks everybody for tuning in, and we will see you for episode three.
1: Bye. The animals, the animals. Trap, trap, trap till the cages fall. The cages fall, the day's new, and everyone is waiting, waiting on you, and you have got time. Think of all the roads Think of all their crossings Taking steps is easy Standing still is hard Remember all their faces Remember all their voices Everything is different The second time around And you've got i